0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and
1: let's get to pumping, cause it's 30 days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle up the middle. Oh. Oh. Right.
0: Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 225th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chilling here in Beaverton. Ready to talk about these games that have happened, man. It's it's been a while, man. Like, once it gets to Saturday, it's like, damn, I kind of just want to podcast now, even though there may or may not be a game. Yeah, I'm having fun with this shit. 225 episodes and I'm still having fun. And
0: the Blazers had a little bit of fun on this road trip as well. All in all, come back home uh, 500, three wins, three losses. There were four games on the previous week, which we will discuss uh, it got off little rocky in milwaukee losing uh, 134 to 106 to the bucks they bounced back the following night to basically get a wire to wire victory over the washington wizards 132 to 121 and maybe the most improbable victory of the year uh, took place on thursday no damian lillard no Derrick jones junior they absolutely dismantled the east leading 76ers 121 105 in a game that wasn't as close as the score indicated and they unfortunately dropped the final contest of the road trip it was a it was a matinee on saturday uh they couldn't keep up with the knicks losing 110 to 99 so sage our trailblazers sit at 12 and 10 right now in a really jumbled up western conference uh 12 and 10 has them at seventh but they are three games from 14th but just a game out of fourth. So you can see how a game here or a game there can really sway your your position in in the really contested Western Conference race.
1: That that Philly game was improbable, but there was also some flukiness where the Sixers didn't hit a three in that that entire uh like first half and into the third they were shooting atrociously. And then the next game we play the Knicks and those non-shooters happened to shoot extraordinarily well so we got lucky and then the nba god said you know what they don't need all that luck let's let some improbable shooters shoot really well
0: yeah i made sure to look at the box score of new york's loss to miami today and of course sure enough alfred payton emmanuel quickly and rj barrett went absolutely stone cold from the floor and i would I was like, what is this? Um, That was a bit of a disappointment. Clearly, if you ask any Blazer fan before the trip, you would take three and three and just start planning for the next homestand. However, expectations are a bitch. And when you come away with an improbable victory over the 76ers, you already penciled in the Knicks as the game you had to win. Coming back four and two, just feels so much sweeter or even if you had lost to the 76ers like everyone expected but you handled business against the Knicks and you won your final game you still feel a little bit better it's also weird because we lost with Dame against the Knicks and won without him against the 76ers so I, I know the the data stays the same but emotionally I felt different after losing to the Knicks rather than had it played out in any of those other scenarios
1: that entire day might have been the hardest I've ever worked in my daily fantasy life, man. So at the beginning of the day, Dame was registered out, so I had to change my lineups. Trey Young was out, had to change my lineups. Ben Simmons was out. I put Shake Milton in heavy, like 60% Shake Milton. I was feeling really good about it. As soon as the slate started, Seth Curry started, and then I transferred all of my Shake Milton ownership to Seth Curry. He played 13 minutes, and I lost money. Man, I will remember that Philly game for a long time because it was as hard as I've worked with the least amount of monetary gain. I was just, I was done. But uh, yeah, it it really felt like the shooting gods was just on our side for that Philly game and uh, not for the, the Knicks game. Like When you look at Anthony and Gary and all of our other dribblers outside of Damon C.J., they can win easy, and when I mean easy, they make it look easy. They do one dribble move and get to the hoop, or with in Gary's uh, case, he does his one dribble move and dribble pull up, or you know, his runners. They can't win complex, like when a defense actually puts in that effort, they have a difficult time winning complex. Damon CJ win complex. So they came against the Sixers. We won easy a lot of the times, probably because they didn't think that a ragtag group of Blazers could beat them. So there was a lot of possessions where we just won right out and scored. In a a long series, there's no way that we could compete, but in that one-game sample size where we were just winning easily on that one-on-one matchup to create matchup advantage, we were kicking ass. It, it might have been a factor of things for us to win easy, but we did win easy on those one-to-one creation matchups.
0: I mean, it's already been an extraordinarily odd season due to the coronavirus and no fans and different seasons. I mean, hell, we only received half of the schedule. We've had postponements in games. We've had an uptick in injuries across the league. We're seeing even more so teams like the Pistons beating, you know, the, the top teams in the league, but then losing to the Timberwolves. And and we, we saw again today, or excuse me, we saw earlier in the week, the Sixers. Yeah, they didn't have Ben Simmons, but they had Embiid. They, they had a significant advantage. Nearly every trailblazer was out, but we snuck up on them. They didn't, they had to the play the night before. Uh, Charlotte came back on them, gave more of a, a fight than they thought. And this is NBA basketball. We know what these players think. Hell, we we talk about this all the time. Ed Davis was on CJ McCollum's pod or not podcast radio show, and they were talking about they were talking about how easy it was going to be to beat the trust the process Sixers, and that was the team I think Covington was actually on, and he he ended up hitting the game winning three. Uh, you play that series seven, you know, seven games. Portland's probably winning four four one or four zero. That same thing would have happened with the Sixers beating this current Blazer team. But they just, you know, thought they could roll out there and beat us and give Portland credit. It wasn't like we jumped on them from from the get-go. It was a back-and-forth contest, and uh, had 31 points at the half, Yeah. and P- Portland made adjustments. They said, okay, Joel, if you're going to take a mid-range shot, that's fine because it's coming off the dribble. Nobody's really passing you the ball. If you're going to hit that every time down the floor, we're going to tip our hat off to you, and we're going to move on to the next city. However, when a got either down low, we sent the double, or if he was hanging out on the perimeter, we just let him do that. So I really like the adjustment that the Blazers made our defense and we came out and we punched them in the mouth in that third quarter 40 to 19 advantage. Um, and it was, it was instant. I, I think we had a, it went from a tie game to a double digit lead within two or three minutes. Um, Trent jr. Was letting the threes fly. It, it was just really, it was the, probably the second most entertaining game obviously when you could beat the lakers in la that's number one this was such a fun game to watch and you kind of forget about everything that's happened throughout the rest of the regular season with all of our whether you call them disappointments or injuries or or whatnot but just just to have a night like that where you're underdogs. You're underestimated, and you go out there and you kind of shock the basketball world. That that was that was incredible.
1: Yeah, Stotts came out with a plan, and when the chips are down, if you could manufacture wins in that scenario, it's really it's really clutch. I, I remember the Blazers when they were just decimated with injuries. Nate McMillan would just focus those guys up, and they would get wins out of it. That's a that's a that's a different type of. Coach when you can just manufacture wins with, with Ant and Gary and Ant on a 20 minutes limit, and Gary and CJ Ellerby stepped up. Everybody played their part, and it looked really it was a really fun game to watch. Really irritating that Seth Curry didn't play that much for me, but at the same time, it's it, like that that game was a very good win for us. Like, did you you saw like Cantors shout out CJ Ellerby in that post-game? Like if this this team really cares about each other and they just were hyping each other up. It was a beautiful thing to see.
0: Whenever a team plays without their leader, inherently they challenge themselves and realize, okay, I'm going to have to step up my game personally because we don't, I can't just kind of stand around and watch. You can't be in the corner watching damn good trap. Absolutely. I mean, I really thought the ball movement was spectacular in this game. It was free flowing. There was hardly any isolation. Uh, We saw some really sweet dimes um, just cutting without the basketball and then the aggressiveness on defensive end. Um, you want to talk about uh, CJ Ellaby, who I think was one of the stories of the week. Like the first thing I noticed from him in his first shift, because the game before in Washington, I was like, we got to get this kid out. Like, I don't know if he's an NBA player. He got in there for like 45 seconds. He got the ball ripped from him at half court and Washington got on like a 5-0 run and he didn't play the rest of the night. So for him to come back and play 30 plus minutes um, and perform was a testament to his resiliency. And I think it also showed not only to the fans, but to himself, that he belonged. He and, and one of the things that I like for young players when they're trying to earn minutes is they go out there and they just outwork everybody else. And one of those ways you can do it is rebounding the basketball, especially from the guard position. He skied for a few boards. Uh, he played the passing lanes well. I think he even ripped uh, one of the sixer guards and, and had, had a breakaway dunk. Um, he was everywhere. And you can tell the team kind of fed off of that. They, they fed off of one another. And in a way, it was beautiful. In an equally way, uh, it was frustrating because you just are kind of screaming like, where is that every single night? Because we're not uber talented. We need to scrap like this. Like the 15, 16 Blazers when Vegas said, you guys are only going to win 26 games. They said fuck you. We're going to go out and prove you wrong. We had to prove you wrong game, but I think we need to take this mentality throughout the rest of the regular season and I think, you know, CJ Ellaby really kind of embodied that. Like he bounced back and he looks like he may not get more rotation minutes the rest of the season, but it proves that he is an NBA caliber player. You don't have those type of games and how we did it without without belonging in this league.
1: Mm. Yeah, he definitely showed potential and to get that in the late second round is pretty pretty impressive cuz people talked about how this draft was the last draft wasn't as excellent as the, the the this year's draft, but there's there's legitimate second round talent that's producing in the league right now. That, that sixers game really was the, the, the crown jewel of this week in terms of wins and how we performed um that, that bucks game just was wire to wire we had to we had to go complex instead of go easy we had to go complex against that team and it didn't really uh work out as well as we'd like like that team that that the bucks team is very talented and very smart
0: what i there wasn't really too much to talk about about the Bucks game. So I still want to, re- you know, rehash what we saw in Philadelphia. And another player who doesn't get as much mention, and maybe it's because he's so consistent, but NS Cantor, I thought, played a hell of a night. Yeah, Embiid had 31 points in the first half, but he only ended with 37. And Embiid did, or excuse me, Cantor did a fabulous job on the glass. Embiid is one of the league leaders. He only ends up with five rebounds on the night he commit a turn commits five turnovers. Cantor, just a fantastic statistical night. 17 boards, or excuse me, 18 boards, 17 points, 7 offensive rebounds in 34 minutes. I I don't know what it is, Sage, about NS Cantor, but he might be like the most consistent trailblazer in, in franchise history. You just know you're getting a double-double on efficient shooting. He's gonna protect the boards um what a, good what, a find, too. what a find he was we gave up nothing but cap space or an exception for for ennis Cantor. and you know he and may Mario. not have worked he may not have worked out in new york or boston but he fits in portland and he's holding down the fort right now and what i love about him is he knows he's not the starting center he knows his role and he just plays his ass off he's such a great teammate too um I believe it was there was a really great performance I think it might have been last week dames dames threes against Chicago you know he's like running up the court with his with his fist up like it's just so elated like and you mentioned to CJ LB in the post-game interview super happy for this second round pick um he's the consummate teammate and I think that also gets forgotten too we also we only look at you know how are they performing on the court but you know, how are they in the locker room? Like it takes 12 distinctly different pieces to come together to make one team, a cohesive team. And I think he's kind of carving out his, his niche in, in rip city. Like, I think there's definitely a future for him in Portland. Like he just gets it done. And I think we all kind of take him for granted. Yeah. He has deficiencies on the defensive end, but he's being asked to carry a much larger load than anyone really expected him to carry right now. And you know, for better or for worse, I, I think he's doing better than we thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's always been a guy that produces when he's in the game. It's just, can you take those deficiencies in his game and the, the, those negatives? In this case, with the Blazers, you can't really find any other way except to give him his minutes that he's earned. In the game that we're talking about, the Sixers, Harry Giles couldn't put up a as good of a fight as Ennis against Embiid. And I think the injury probably limited Embiid's rebounding, but you know what? Ennis Cantor is a good post defender, atrocious pick and roll guy, but if he can just stand it in the paint and absorb the contact, he's going to contest that shot. And yeah, he's really been just super consistent. And once Nurk comes back, that consistency off the bench is going to be even more valuable.
0: Ennis has had seven consecutive double doubles. Mm-hmm. Like it's just incredible how consistent he has been. The, in the, and he's he's not going to command a big salary. He doesn't have a big ego. He's he's a great teammate. Um, like this is what what we we what we talked about when we said like this was a good off season. We have been looking for a backup center for the past couple of years since we had Ennis Cantor. And, you know, we found that. And in some cases, Ennis has played much better than, than Nurkic did. And he's clearly played better than Harry Giles. Like, there's an argument to be made that Ennis was one of the, the better offseason acquisitions across the league. Hmm.
1: I mean, if you look at price point, it, it has to be one of them. He doesn't command a big salary. We got him for legitimately nothing the only way he doesn't get a double double is if he gets into foul trouble and doesn't get the minutes like that's legitimately the only way he doesn't get the he he averages like 18 potential rebounds a game he is our only rebounder he's gonna get the boards it's can he get the can he manufacture the points on pick and roll and dirty work off the boards and can he stay in the game in terms of fouls like he's gonna put up the numbers if he's in the game the only way we don't he doesn't get it is if Terry Stotts has to take him out for one reason or another
0: so looking further into the week you you talked about the Milwaukee game clearly the biggest blowout of the week however there was a really big bright spot and one that I was incredibly happy to see one because I've been on this player's bandwagon almost since draft night 2019 but two Nasir Little has gone through a lot to get here Um, He had a really bad bout of of COVID-19. He had uh, the dehydration incident in the bubble, um, concussed as well. Like every time he seemed to be getting some playing time, either the pandemic happened and shut down the league or something came up with him physically. And unfortunately, it did happen again. He he did sprain his knee and he has been out since the Milwaukee game. But that performance in Milwaukee, a 30.6 rebound, couple blocks you know 11 of 18 shooting five of seven from downtown uh the reason i kept that game on to be quite frank um it was just wonderful to see him out there shooting with confidence uh taking defenders off the dribble and then taking the contact and still finishing at the rim um showed me more than just you know a catch and shoot fluky performance uh to be honest like i I really think he's got the juice We need to find time in the rotation, even when everyone is healthy, because Sage, we didn't have a first round pick this year, but one could argue it might as well have been this year because because, you know, we need to give him time. Like, you know, I was just really happy to see him get some run and see the ball go through the net because. It's almost like CJ McCollum, when he had a rough start to his career, had the injured foot and then got behind a few players. And it wasn't really until late in the second part of a season when he broke out in the playoffs. And then, you know, the rest is history. Like Nasir is a talented player, MVP of the the Jordan, or the or McDonald's All-American game, five-star recruit. You know, he was a projected top 10 pick. He just didn't have the freshman season in North Carolina that many predicted and he slipped. And... That can, you know, basketball is a lot to do mentally and confidence plays a big role in how players produce. It was nice to see him get his swagger back. Um, we had seen the mechanics. We have been you know, progressively seeing the improvements on his jumper in the little glimpses that we had, you know, watched him play and his form looked nice age. He just looked like a fluid wing out there. He's got the body. You can tell he's got the potential to become a two way wing player, which we've discussed outside of a superstar, that is, the, that is the most rare form of NBA player right now. And those players are in the highest demand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see him having the DJJ role on on this team or on a team, an NBA team, because you see what he can do when he slashes and teams have to respect the fact that he has bounce and get, can get to the rim whenever. And then he can dribble and manufacture some offense himself. I think that the shooting might have been a little fluky, but the athleticism is real, and the fact that he's able to, again, compete on a floor and look really good is a a really nice bow in his cap. I I think we do need to manufacture some minutes for him, even when everybody's healthy. But again, it was really nice to see, and he was the one bright spot on this team because even when we were in blowout, he had to play. He he was on the floor regardless, so we we got a long run of Nasir.
0: So hopefully the knee sprain isn't too serious and we do see him back this week. Clearly Derek Jones Jr. returned as well. Um, We've seen a lot of Gary Trent getting the start at the three. Um, It's good that all of these players are getting time to shine, but I still fear that we have too many good players and not enough uh, elite players I don't know if it happens this year or in the off-season stage, but I still am on the consolidation trade bandwagon. Like we got to get minutes for Gary; he's a 25-minute player. I think you have to find a way to get Nas in at least for one quarter total uh, a game. You know, these are the players that are going to kind of carry the the Blazer banner as Damon CJ kind of progress into their 30s. Like you always want to have talent as like your farm system, so to speak. And so if we can continue, like we, you essentially want to become the Spurs. I mean, that's that's the NBA gold standard where you have your legends, but then you, they had Kawhi starting to come through. And by no means am I comparing Nasir and Gary to Kawhi, but that's what the Spurs do, is they find ways to continuously add talent and it just continues to rotate. And that's why they had made the playoffs for basically everyone's lifespan.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially since we don't have the G League right now, a G League affiliate, it- we kind of have to manufacture some run for these young guys. Um, yeah, it's good to win when you see guys that shine in situations where we need them to shine. But I would, I would increase the Gary Trent minutes to 30, 34. Like he needs to be on the floor because of all the things that he could do for our offense. So yeah, I, I would put him as like a starter minutes guy. Um, I, I think that he deserves a needs start when everybody's healthy. He 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 provides so much more than uh, some of the other players in that starting lineup in terms of like his shot versatility and his ability to create off the bounce. Like, dude's been a money pull up shooter this year. He he kind of is pushing D J J to the bench with his play.
0: That's a good point. That's something I wanted to ask you. Where does Derek fit in all of this? Because We are still talking about Terry Stotts as the head coach, and as the head coach, you have to kind of be able to shoot the basketball to play in his system. I still don't think we're quite utilizing DJ the way he should be utilized. Uh, Maybe that comes with time. Maybe it doesn't. Do you think that once we all get healthy, that Gary should uh, supplant DJ in the starting lineup?
1: What Coach Sage would do, or Coach Stotts would do? Because I think there's two different let's hear both uh, I, I I think that stats would probably run with djj you know he's he's older has abilities that Gary can't have there's things that DJ djj does with his athleticism and his 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 hustle on the boards and in the paint me personally I would put uh Gary Trent as the starting three and then put Djj on as our sixth man um he just provides a lot of spacing and I Gary's the type of dude where just put him on the floor and good things happen I, I DJj definitely deserves a nice big role on this team but I don't know if the starting five is his place for right now. I, th- I think Gary with his shot versatility and the fact that he also can guard the point of attack might be the the best role because I think that Gary helps Robert Covington too Gary helps whoever our center is Gary helps. CJ and Dame, DJJ might be a really nice piece off the bench where he can work with Mello or Anthony and get him into more driving spots than just him spotting up in the corner and then cutting, you know, late every possession. Um, I think that it might be a really nice wrinkle in our offense to have him cutting off ball when Anthony has the reins of the offense, just as a just uh, a, a nice option on our plays because we have a difficult time getting into the teeth of the, the defense in that second unit, having D J J, someone who wants to drive and create contact and make, uh, you know, big plays might be really nice to have with Anthony and Mello.
0: Yeah. And I really like the idea of Gary starting with the, the two, the two gunners in the backcourt, Damon CJ uh, Gary's a rhythm player uh, and he needs a little bit of time just to kind of get going. And he gets his best shots when he's playing alongside, you know, Dame and CJ. There, the we saw that in the bubble, uh, especially. He was basically left wide open to start the first half of those seeding games because so much attention was being put on uh, Dame and CJ. Uh, we have specifically seen teams make a much more concerted effort to blitz and double and trap Dame. Uh, this season, I mean, it was certainly evident when the Knicks were doing it. Um, you need just knock down shooters to make teams pay. Um, and it's not to say that Derek hasn't worked on that, but I think he can come in and, you know, maybe CJ's the first to come out. Gary can move down to the the two. Derek can come into three. Um, you can have a Rodney and Derek both come in at the same time, and you know, take, you know, Gary and CJ out while Dame get, always plays the rest of that first quarter and you're able to kind of work things through that um but i i, th- I just think gary flourishes when he's playing alongside the most talented backcourt in, in the league and so if you look at a you know a starting or a finishing five of dame cj gary roko and nurk you know even if roko is, is struggling a little bit from 3 you still have his defense but even if defenses want to say we're going to let roko beat us I'm still okay with him letting it fly uh, wide open looks. So that that just makes Portland a much more difficult team to defend. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you really lose too much on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Gary's probably a little bit better of a point of attack defender th- than DJ, while DJ is, I think, a much better uh, help side um, and in the passing lanes defender.
1: Well, I, th- I think both of them are very good at point of attack defense. But, I, I mean, when you talk about the minutes with Dame and CJ – what is that three man's role? It's to catch passes and shoot it and when teams blitz. It's usually off the three or the four. And if we had Gary Trent in the corner, you can't really do that because he has a rep of hitting threes. DJJ on the other hand slashes and that creates spacing on its own merit for sure. Like it, he has a role on this team. It's definitely as a slasher and we we're talking about how great Nassir Little is at slashing. There like there is a role in especially in this offense for a guy that can go to the rim and make things happen. So, we're not we're not talking bad about how those two play. But if we're talking about the specific role that the three man plays in the starting five, it's to make teams pay off of doubling off their man. And I think Gary Trent in that role is a better player. And it would be nice to see what he can do in a lineup of those our starting five. If we're trying to pay him, you know, second contract money, it would be nice to see him in a starting role and in off the bench. So it, it's, it's no disrespect to Derek. Cause I think he has a, is a very useful and talented player. It's just for the role that we have, Gary Trent might be the preferred option.
0: I mean, I think you could throw, throw, you know, caution to the wind when it comes to just defining bet, better fit in terms of the role. I think most Blazer fans would, would agree. Gary Trent Jr. is just the better overall player. That's not a knock on DJ. DJ is a, he's one of my favorites, uh, They're to different. be honest. They're different.
1: They're different, different but point.
0: Gary Trent Jr. Is a, is, is a better NBA player at this point. He's just more well-rounded, more well-versed. He has more skills uh, than DJ.
1: And that, it, again, I, I would push back on that. It's what you need on the offense and defense. Both are talented. It's just different. I think when you
0: factor in the importance of shooting in the modern NBA, it's I think it's the pendulum swings heavily in Gary's favor. And I think Portland is going to have Portland is going to have to make a decision. They're either going to have to say we're going to start Gary at the three and we're going to live and die with Dame CJ and Gary. That's what we're going to do next year. We're going to sign match any offer that Gary gets. Or they're going to have to say, we're going to either sign and trade Gary or we're going to trade away CJ. Gary Trent Jr. right now, I I, I don't think you get any – you don't really add much value. I think you kind of basically limit his ceiling if you just say you're going to be the sixth man. I think he's better than that. He's young. He still has a lot of potential. From all accounts, he is just a, a tremendous worker. So, I think this season, while it may not be going the way we want it to go, um, is going to basically give Blazer management basically the book on what they need to do. Like, you're basically getting all the study materials on, on CJ, on Gary, on DJ, on Hoodie, on Ant. Like, this is what these players have done for you lately. Here's how they fit. You have all of the data that shows how they play together they're going to have to make a decision. Um, I'm not envious of that at all. Uh, I'm not here to speculate or predict what's going to happen, but I do think that either one of those players gets traded or they're going to be all starting together. I don't think how we had it to start the season where Gary was coming off the bench and, and CJ was starting. That, that Gary's proven himself. He He's too good for that role. Um, I think you're severely limiting him in that. Uh, so. That's going to be an interesting, really development until CJ gets back. Because once CJ gets back,
1: I guess we'll all know. Gary's good enough and versatile enough to realize that he's the three in this scenario. It's not like, you know, he can he can handle being the three man on a, on this team. Like, I think he might actually relish the fact that the NBA right now is elite point guards and elite like winging initiators. So he might actually dig having to guard Jason Tatum or uh, Brandon Ingram or whoever the wing creator that he's going against, he might actually enjoy that. Uh, I'm not really worried about him being too short. You saw him go against LeBron James, the best power of the best wing initiator in our generation, maybe the best player ever. He digs that challenge. If I was the coach I or if I had any l- way to sway Terry Stotts, I would definitely say play play the man. If there's a problem with him defending LeBron or you know kD do you really think any of our other players are gonna have an easy time guarding transcendent great wings it's those like, transcendent players yeah, they're
0: gonna have make, nobody yeah. that can check them yeah that's why they're transcendent you you just do your best and get your hope and pray they miss and you try to make it the most difficult shot possible but there, there's no defense. For a Kevin Durant pull-up jumper. There's no defense for a freight train like LeBron James driving down the court, uh, unable to stop on a dime. Like, there, there's no defense for certain players. I mean, that's, that's why we're talking them using the superlatives, like, transcendent. They're once-in-a-generation players, so... I mean, I mean, you just seven
1: to, feet and pull up anywhere and you're not blocking his shot like
0: seven feet with handle that can get by you, that can post you up. He can score in every way possible. He might be the best modern day scorer we've ever witnessed. Um, and he does it at a freakishly tall height. I mean, just the the height skill combo. Yeah. So there's just not much you can do. You really just have to be able to make them work on the off on the defensive end. And I think that's what, what Gary Trent does. He m- keeps uh, defense as honest. And if they're not honest with them, he's going to make them pay. And I don't worry about him underperforming after he gets a large contract. I don't think that's in his DNA.
1: Yeah. that You don't really worry about that. When, when you got a guy that has the right mentality in this game, you don't really worry about him. It might, it it probably is going to motivate him to work harder because he's finally acknowledged like a team acknowledges that you are great. He was a second round pick. Don't forget like, 30 teams passed on him, or 30 picks happened before he got picked. I think he 35th or something. I think the, that chip on your shoulder isn't going to leave you. He's not the type of guy that's going to get fat on getting paid. He's going to want more. It's just like, you've seen how hyped he gets. That's just not going to stop. Like he's kind. He has that dream on mentality of proving you wrong. So, yeah, I don't worry about that with him. It's just we need to manufacture time for him to be on the court for 30 minutes because he's been really good.
0: How crazy of a week has it been that no one really in Blazers media, and maybe it's not even a big story anymore, but once again, Tamian Lillard gets the upper hand on Russell Westbrook as, and as I was looking at the box score of this game, it reminded me Ennis Cantor when he put his fist up in the air, it was after Dame turned the ball over and just banged it in over Russ. Um, and that came before he hit a ridiculous 35 foot step back three to seal the game, looks at his wrist, kind of mean mugs, the camera. Um, they respect each other a lot, but you can tell they also bring out the best in each other as well. And that shit. I love it. I love the rivalry. Um, I still think it matters um, just specific, specifically because our guy's been coming out on top with a great regularity. And ever since that that playoff series, going into that, like Russ continues to talk shit, and Dame just quietly backs it up. Thirty-two points, eight assists. He didn't have the best shooting night. He was only four or fourteen from downtown, but he got to the line ten times, hit all ten, and he, he it was closing time. Like you knew when the game was on the line, Washington kept prone to go up twenty, they would cut it to five, and it was just this pendulum shift, you know, three or four times back and forth. Portland just really put their foot down, and it was a really large, you know, regard to to Damian Lillard, just you know, quieting, quieting the Wizards, and just going about his business. But I could tell that meant a lot to him when he went up and dunked it. Dame's not usually a dunker; he'll try a couple a season, but he got baseline, beat Russ, and I think Rui Rui Hachimura is the one one that one that caught the the poster, and you, you could tell like that that meant something uh extra to him so that was a fantastic little uh storyline w- within this this road trip that i don't think is getting nearly enough love like we're going to be looking back in five to ten years as blazer fans and just be like do you all remember that that Dame russ rivalry like that is some good theater right there like this is entertainment and they are putting on one of the best shows in the business uh so whenever it doesn't matter if russ is on a different team he is good for the NBA. Dame and Russ are good for the NBA.
1: It's just good TV to watch. Sage, I, I I gotta push back. He, you know, he was talking shit too. Both of them bring out a competitive spirit in one another. I never said Dame wasn't talking shit. He I said, said he quietly, it down. yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he quietly. He he, he, Dame does it on the floor. He doesn't do it in the media. He doesn't do. As competitors, they bring out the best in one another. Washington's the worst defensive team and one of the fastest paced, So. And Davis Bertans was ungodly awful in that game. So he's
0: been awful this whole season, though. He's, he so.
1: really has. Uh, Washington beat writers have been talking about how he wasn't expecting the season to start so fast, and has dealt with COVID and then injury. So he he was ungodly bad against us that game. I'm really happy the Blazers took advantage of the the best matchup ever. When you, when you see Washington on the on the schedule, you kind of get excited because. Oh, I'm gonna have a ceiling game against this bum ass team. Like they just play so fast and are so bad defensively that you know you're gonna put up some amazing stats. Uh, yeah, I mean the Russ and Dame thing has been entertaining for years. Um, Russ is finally starting to look better, which has been a great thing because he's been hurt and the the Wizards have been really uh, safe with his minutes and playing time and ga- games played. So it's good to see him actually starting to look healthy and look like the Russ that annoyed us for years and years in Oklahoma city and in Houston, I guess. But yeah, I I think that, uh, that game was, you know, it it was good to see, and it was good to see Dame hyped for, for, for a game, especially with how he was looking with his movements because of the, the, the ab because of his injury that kept him out against the Sixers. Like it was good to see him take advantage. I I knew that he didn't have that top burst, but, Against the Wizards, you didn't need the top burst to be successful. You just needed to be dedicated to getting to the to the lane, and you probably weren't going to see that much resistance once you get past Russell, Russell Westbrook.
0: Speaking of Dame, he did sit out the Philly game with the, the abdominal strain. You had to have thought the management thought process was, okay, we're not going to beat the Sixers. You're not feeling well. Let's just hold you out. Let's hold DJ out another game. But they brought him back against the Knicks, and he still didn't look right. He said physically I af- he said physically afterwards, I feel good. And he had 29 points, 9 assists, 4 steals, 50% shooting from three in the field. But he still, Sage, did not look like he was moving as fluidly as possible. There was a game that was postponed. We were supposed to play this morning against the Hornets that obviously got postponed, which is why we played the wizards earlier in the week. So we have an extra day day off before we play Orlando. I almost wonder if they shouldn't have just rested him against the Knicks. Um, Maybe it makes losing to them a little bit easier. You can can just, you know, reaffirm it. Oh, if we had Dame, we, we would have won, but it just gives you an extra, you know, two days essentially uh, of rest Because we can maybe, maybe, big maybe, survive without CJ and Nurkic. Sage, there is no way in hell we win without Dame, CJ, and Nurkic consistently. You might surprise a team like Philadelphia once every two weeks. It's a a high-variance play if you're trying to play without those. We are not staying in the playoff picture if we are without our big three.
1: If Dame gets hurt, we're tanking for Cade.
0: We need to yes the, the the whole plug needs to get pulled on the season if Damian Lillard gets seriously and we could try our
1: hardest every game. There's a lot of talented teams in the league. If we're running with Anthony Simons as our starting one for a, a, an extended amount of time, we're losing those games. It's great with the Philly game that we won, and again, like we won because they didn't put in the effort initial defense wise because Ben Simmons wasn't there. If we had to do it on a long term stretch, we're we're the Knicks bad, or we're the I think we're the Pistons bad, bro. We're Pistons, yeah, maybe without
0: Dame, CJ, and Nurkic. Yeah, oh, we're we we're, we're, we're,
1: we're yeah, we're we're really a bad team without those three. It's, it's, it's like seventy percent usage rate without those three. Like that's a lot of usage. There's a lot of possessions. a lot of potential assists. A lot of shots. It's a lot of Dribbling, it's a lot of breaking the defenders down, passing, defense from Nurk. Like, yeah, we, we would be atrocious. So I, I see your long-range play of wanting to save Dame. And may, if the Knicks and Sixer game was a, was a a hindrance for him to be healthy throughout the year, then I, I get it. But we,
0: our we, margin for error for doing anything in the then is very razor thin. Without Damien Lillard, it is absolutely zero. There's no chance. I don't want us to play games twenty to thirty games into the season with a banged up dame just to try and stay afloat. Like if he needs to take a week off or or whatever it is, please do. I mean thankful it is a muscle um issue rather than something you know bone
1: but you saw the obvious discomfort every time he was yeah, on the there bench is discomfort.
0: Like- and you can tell he's a competitor after the washington game he was just saying like you know i'm banged up too like that's the first we heard of it and he said i had to push myself through it and he he didn't really call out anfernee but he honestly answered a question about why didn't anfernee play and he essentially said you know Aunt, can you play he's like yeah he's like okay you need to go tell coach that you're okay to go in there like i know he was on the minutes restriction for his hamstring but you can tell that a lot of the guys are down uh bodies wise we don't have uh you know many troops you know ready to to, to come in so you have to basically like not be bedridden but you got to be really really hurt to not play like you have to fight through some things you have to be injured. so you no. have to be injured not hurt yeah exactly and so I think that's what you're seeing right now with Damian. I just know that he is such a competitor that he may have a, a a clouded view and he'll only be looking, you know, the next game. I He's the type of guy that you have to pull him out of a game, you know, basically kicking and screaming. Like he is not going to say, I'm not going to play to that coach. Like he's the ultimate competitor. So I, I just hope the – the team takes a long-term approach with Dane because if he has a win in February. Isn't going to mean shit. If it means it costs us
1: Damien in July, you got to take a long-term approach, especially with Damien Lillard and his health. Like again, like, like you said, a, a game in February doesn't isn't is kind of meaningless when he, if that game was to help him stay healthy, it, it, it doesn't matter. Cause you got to think long-term we pushed in a lot of chips for for june not february 2nd or february 4th or 7th it's got to take a long-term approach so hopefully i don't don't think he's going to do any load management but hopefully that there's games where he we can take him out early or fix the rotation so he doesn't play 12 minutes seven minutes 12 minutes seven minutes maybe there's more breaks just manufacture more rest time for him because i think it's important
0: you know i i think it's the biggest storyline to watch um, over the next week or two is like, is Dame getting better or is he still laboring? Um, it was already going to be difficult enough to stay afloat without CJ and Nurkic. And that's with Dame at hundred percent. If Dame's not a hundred percent, that that's, that's difficult. So I hope Portland takes the, the, the smart approach. Um, you mentioned lighter load on the minutes. I think that's a, a perfect time if, if they're trying to see, more from Ellaby, more from more from Simons. Like yeah, will we'll are...
1: probably have to step up, and he's been playing better. And there's been plays, especially in that uh, Knicks game, I believe, where he drove into the lane, made the right read. He was he was playing like a legitimate creative. NBA
0: so. player, NBA player. That that's that's what I would say about Anthony Simons. I think he's done mm-hmm. not quite a complete 180. Uh, he he's not where we all. He's not following for
1: threes, though, which was his yes. like 80% not his He's showing,
0: showing progress. It, it, it's, it's strange what what clicked for Ant because he's been given opportunities to play. He got a lot of minutes last year. He got a lot of minutes leading up to probably the last two weeks um, when we really started to see him him pick it up. But he looks confident. He's hitting big-time jumpers. Um, Getting he to the lane. If he can do that, and yes, he can have a secondary uh, move like you mentioned, get to the lane, finish with some contact, and then start to look for ways to play make for for his teammates. So you don't have to, you know, do the you know, John Stockton get get twenty assists. Tonight, yeah, you don't but, ball. But if you can, you know, set your team up, make the smart reads, nothing flashy, just fundamental basketball. Start adding on to your skill set, and, and I think that's. What Portland needs to see I think Portland needs to see if Ant can play the one I still think he is a, a two guard but we are stacked with with shooting guards and sooner rather than later that log jam is going to have to get you know somebody's gonna have to j- jar that open and, and kind of let the floodgates in because we we are absolutely stacked at that position we could use help really elsewhere um but speaking of that that log jam at the two I thought Rodney Hood may have carved out a nice little role for him as well. And it kind of competes with with Simons in in a way, because especially in that Philadelphia game, when there was no Damian Lillard, uh, Rodney Hood started, played a lot of point guard. I thought he showed a lot of nice distribution Mm. um, (sighs) characteristics. Uh, I thought he played almost like Batum did back when that was his role here in Portland as as a taller point guard, um, setting up the offense. He made some nice reads. He's not terrified when the ball is in his hands. Like some players, you get the ball in the middle of the floor and they just kind of like, shit. Like the game's so
1: fast. He's a veteran. Like in the in the finals.
0: Yeah, the game slows down for him. And what I love about him, what I love about him in this role is he, he is a consistent foul line jump shooter. Like he can post you up or he can stop on a dime. If the pass isn't there, he can just raise up and shoot over most of the defenders that are guarding him. Especially if he's playing the one. Uh, he can punish littler defenders, so that's going to be something I'm going to watch out for, um, especially as we await CJ's uh, return. Is how does Rodney Hood start to fit in this? So, like, you you really want to see how these players can can find other things rather than just just playing the two guard. You know, Gary can he guard bigger defenders? And can he run a team? You know, Rodney can he initiate offense as well as as get his own looks? Like, there's there's, there's something's got to give. Because CJ, CJ's coming back, he's going to be playing 35, 38 minutes a night, he's going to be taking 20 shots, nothing is going to change there. So those minutes and those opportunities significantly reduce for all of those other players we've talked about. How are they going to find ways to impact the game and also raise their stock so they are you know a really a, a benefit to the roster at full strength? Because the players can be a benefit to the roster when... You know, you have an injury and you need to step up, clearly that's that's the easy role, that's the short term role. But how can you benefit the roster at full strength? Like that's when we talked about earlier, 12 unique pieces to the puzzle. What is your piece and how, how do you how do you add value?
1: In a normal basketball year, not this one, you know, coaches will talk to players and improve on this in the next offseason. So let's fast forward through this season. If you're in the room with Anthony Simons, what's the one thing you tell him to improve on in the offseason? I think it's not
0: just one one thing. And I know it's hard. Like, usually, what's the when, number one, the most important? I, I don't think there's the most important because I think it all complements his ability to stay on the floor. Like, I, I think he needs to work on his lateral quickness. Um, if you can just be a little bit I even mean, you, you, you got to play defense, especially at the one to, to kind of get your minutes. But to finishing in contact, like can can you add strength because we know you can shoot, we know you can maybe get to the rim, but then can you can you really finish through contact? that that's what makes Kyrie and Dame and CP so special. Like they're littler guards on the floor, but they're magicians, and that's how they're able to keep defenses guessing.
1: So you just want him to go to Ogden, Utah, and work with Phil Beckner is what you're trying to tell me. I mean, why wouldn't you want to work for Dame? I think the creation and finishing might be the thing for him. Just developing those counters to what he already can do on the floor. If he develops, okay, they're going to fly out on me on this shot because I have a rep now. You know, that one step and then just burst to the rim might be the, the, the next thing. Just developing counters to moves that people already know like you look at dame he has multiple tricks in his bag like if someone's gonna stop him on a quick burst he's got other moves to counter it It, it, it he can manufacture shots off of other moves so maybe the diversification of ants dribbling and getting into the spots that he likes might be i
0: don't know if this is something you can work on but be more assertive, be more aggressive. Like you've got such crazy bounce, go into the lane, trying to put somebody on a poster.
1: Good things happen when you drive to the lane,
0: be play aggressive. Yeah. And that, that's, it's hard to like, cause Ant's such a mild mannered, you know, human, but can you just get a little bit of that, that pit bull, Gary Trent nastiness? Can that rub off on him? And now you're going in there with some, some bad intentions.
1: That, that, that's, like, a, that's kind of like a mentality thing though.
0: I understand that, but if you're asking, you ask me what you ask me what to work on. I mean, that's he's got such bounce that.
1: Well, you, you can say the wanna... same thing about DJJ if he had a, a a different mentality, that athleticism could he could be like just.
0: But I do. I think DJ does go in there with bad intentions. He had that dunk against the Knicks that almost brought down the entire garden, but. You know, DJ a mild manner guy, but he gets a, he goes in there. He goes in hard, like when he tries to finish. I want to see that from me. No, no soft layups or floaters. He, that that may come, but can you try and just pack it on them? And then that gets around the league. Like you're not going to be an easy player to to defend once he gets in the paint. Like you talked about counter moves. All of a sudden, they think you're going to go in and pack it. Okay, stop on a dime, pull up from ten feet, and get that mid range jumper. Like there's. When you have athleticism like that, the game opens up so much for you.
1: I would love to see what Ant can do. You know the you know when Dame quick steps his opponent and then gets into him for that that quick layup? I would love to see Ant develop that because you could see him do some crazy reverse dunks off of it. Having the defender on your back and kind of controlling him like a crab dribble with CP does, like that. That type of counter just is so deadly. You've seen Chris Paul eat off the, the crab dribble for years, especially in, in his older age. Like, There's a lot of things that Amphrey could do to improve. But what he's done in the last few weeks has shown improvement from, I remember a few weeks ago, you and I had an argument over five minutes of playing time. Now it's okay. like he's, he's pr- shown improved that he's worth the, the five-minute rotations and stuff.
0: Absolutely. And that's how it is in this podcast. You know, we we have to keep it, keep it honest. And at the time he wasn't really playing like he should be getting five minutes of playing time. Now he is. And we're starting to see that progression.
1: And Um, like there were games where he played the same. He just hit shots. Now it's a completely different Anthony Simons than what we were seeing in January. I I think he had a game where he played in the finishing five. And it was just because he hit the pull-up jumpers that he took. It wasn't like he was forcing the defense to respect him. It was, I I just happened to hit the five shots that I took instead of two. But now it's a completely different player than what we saw in the beginning of the year or even in the middle parts of the first half. So, yeah, he's been killing it, man. I really am happy to see his game expand into more things because... We spend a few minutes talking about his potential and what he could add. There's some players where we can't talk about him adding this to his game because it's kind of already set in stone what he is. Anthony Simons' game is kind of moldable into whatever it can be with all the potential. Like, what if he actually turns into a a, a guy that can create a shot off the bounce consistently? That sh- self-creation is so valuable in this league. Dribble
0: pass shoot. Robert Covington, who is now nine of 21 over his last three games from three point range. is going to be just fine the rest of the season from downtown. I know Rip City was 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 get was was getting worried. You were. I wasn't. So you're shooting this.
1: Yeah, obviously I'm shooting it. I'm taking a step back and getting to the hash line to shoot it.
0: I I agree that I'll shoot that as well. He's he's he was overthinking it, and you yeah. you can tell that when he started to just catch and shoot. It's it, it, it looks the good. And he had really nice, really nice first half. I think he hit four threes against the Wizards, and then three against the Knicks in the first half. Um, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, but yeah, I just want to see him let it fly, like quit quit overthinking it and, and just letting it fly because we gave up a lot of draft capital, and we know what we get from him on the defensive end. But we do need some offense from him. He can't just be PJ, Tucker. you know, yeah, a Mario Hosonia out there, too. Like, so you need somebody who is going to make baskets. Like,
1: yeah, um, there was a play, and I don't even remember what game it is because some of these games are just so. It was like a last second shot where Robert had it and just slung it up there, and it was pure. Do you remember what game that was in where he just? Like end of shot clock, hit it. He missed his first one, and then hit that, and he ran up the court smiling. I forget what game it was, but it happened this week.
0: I can guarantee you it wasn't Milwaukee, but it's weird. I can envision that shot happening in New York, in Philadelphia, and in Washington. Yeah. Like I know, I think it's I think it was Washington.
1: It might have been because was- yeah, the Washington defense wasn't very special, but yeah, like. Don't expect some crazy shit like that all the time, because that—I mean—he. But I think that if he's on a catch and shoot, he's shown some ability. It was
0: Washington. It was. Because Washington. I'm looking at the play by play. It says Robert Covington. It was early in the game mm-hmm. at 10:55. Makes a three point jump shot from 34 feet.
1: Yeah, that probably is it. But Robert has shown the ability to catch it, and if they actually contest. He dribble drives it and made some plays happen. He got a nice layup. He's gotten a few assists off of his dribble drive abilities. He He's a glue guy. He is a glue guy on this team. And if he can show his offensive ability, it just makes it so much more. He's just shows so much more value. And we did use a ton of draft capital on him. So the fact that he can show his abilities and kill it on the dribble drive, kill it on catch and shoots, be kind of a movement shooter. Robert Covington, I have no, I I trust him. If he stays healthy, I trust that he'll be a positive on the offense and defense.
0: All right. Before we go into this week's games, we have a couple of fan questions that I wanted to get to. First comes from DJ D squared. 503 wants to know to the both of us, what is the food that you missed most inside the Rose Garden?
1: I was a broke boy, so I already ate before I went to the Rose Garden. Uh, I guess beer, I guess drinking beer at a game was is my favorite food at the Rose Garden.
0: I would say there was a beer spot in the 300 level. I think it was called like low bar or, or whatnot. But for four bucks, you could get like a PBR. And the, the pro tip move is to bring in your own koozies. Like they, they don't say you can't bring in your own koozies. So you get your beer and you could also buy koozies at this place, uh, but you get your beer and then you've got, you know, two beers for eight bucks, bring my two koozies. And, you know, you're just ready to go, like ready to watch a game. Beers, uh, beer stays cold, but your hands stay warm.
1: Dustin has a remarkable amount of koozies in his, in his, uh, in his place. The only koozie that I own, and I hate that I, this is the only koozie I own, a Baron Davis New Orleans Hornets giveaway I still nice. have somewhere and I, I want to burn it every time I think about using it, but I'm a broke boy.
0: we are talking about food, the best value I think is sizzle pie. I think you get the, the biggest slice for I mean all the prices are ridiculous, but like you can't go wrong with a nice slice of of sizzle pie. Like it's I also love that they brought in local um eateries so if one you're you know supporting a local business but the food quality is good like there there are some that you're just like ooh, i don't know if that's gonna taste right yeah Um, like
1: i've had hamburgers and stuff from like uh just random ass spots and it's like man i shouldn't have paid this much money for it i should have just gone hungry and then got food and the beef (laughs) Uh, next
0: question from uh, Justin B. Leak wants to know, he says, I know it's uh, early, but who, in your opinion, of the current roster is a Blazer next year?
1: Dame, CJ, Yusuf, what's Ennis's contract like? He's he a free agent.
0: Free agent
1: I bet we bring ranks. him back. Robert, DJ is still under contract. Gary's still under contract. And N- still.
0: Uh, no. Who's not? Gary's a restricted free agent. Well, I, and, and I
1: imagine we'd bring him back, but yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And DJ can
1: opt out. He has a player. I don't option. know if he's gonna opt out. I think our first nine are very likely coming back. I don't know if Melo does. Um he might. Uh Harry is on a two or a one. One year so, deal.
0: One year deal. Sorry, one, one year deal.
1: You had you've held one.
0: One for each hand. Just I know, so that my, my right God. hand says it was a one year deal and my left hand says it's a one year deal. Okay,
1: because yeah, like uh okay. I don't know Gary. I don't know if Harry Giles stays. Um but I think our top nine probably will. Mellows maybe.
0: I think it's easier to say who I don't think is gonna come back. Um I I don't think Carmelo Anthony comes back next year. Um Hood. I think in Melo's instance, he probably will still play, but I think Portland, I mean, we still have a, a lot of season to go and who knows how he fits in um, when we're all healthy and rolling. But I think Melo has taken a bit of a step back in the efficiency uh, department. I think he's still fabulous to have around for this season, but I think Portland may look for more of a, of a defensive-minded player. That, and then you've got a player like Nasir Little who might be able to come in and play some of those backup 4 minutes. Um, I don't think Harry Giles will come back. He really isn't doing a whole lot with the opportunity that's been given to him. When when Jarkic went down, um, you can, we can all kind of see why he was available for the minimum. Um, Rodney Hood is a player who I think might get dealt, and I say that because he is a non-guaranteed deal. It's a very the second year. Contract.
1: It's a very he tragic.
0: has he makes around ten million dollars, so you can get a lot of different pieces for that. And again, it's almost. uh it's just a numbers game. We're talking about two guards, and you're talking about contracts. Um, I, I think he might be the odd man out. And I'm not saying I want all of these players to leave, but like if if you ask me a question, I think Hood might not be there. Um,
1: well, and and just think, Ariza had a very similar contract. Yeah, to Hood. and
0: that's yeah, it's that's very tradable.
1: Exactly. Ariza got dealt like four times in the off season for a reason. It was a very tradable contract.
0: I and I, I think Blazer fans need to. Start thinking of the idea of Zach Collins not in a Portland uniform, and I say that because he really hasn't played basketball in two years. And I know he had the interview with NBC Sports Northwest where he wants to stay in Portland, but that's fine until we start talking about finances. And he Isn't is it restricted like seven. Yes, a qualifying offer for Zach Collins would be seven, seven and a half million dollars. Portland may want to do a shorter. Um, money deal for for longer years or yeah, I don't know if you want to pay seven and a half million dollars for, for Zach. So it's going to be interesting to see. So Zach is, is my biggest like coin flip. You could use him for, you know, salary filler to, to, to maybe move, um, take a chance on on a player um, who maybe is in a similar situation with another team, like those type of players, like Lonzo ball, Mo Bamba, some players from that same draft class that are restricted free agents didn't get their options picked up. Sage, so get that look off your face. Mm-mm.
1: You said Lonzo Ball.
0: Yeah, he had a really, really good game.
1: Yeah, you look at my, dude, I tweeted something on, the, on my Twitter saying Lonzo had a good play here. And you, I just got so many people from, you know, Pelicans fans saying, yeah, but he didn't do this, 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 and this. And I was like, I acknowledge that. That, that is
0: every player from every fan base. I mean, Blazer fans do that too about Ennis and Mello. Like it's it, it's clockwork with with fans, but yeah, th- that those are probably the the main players. Um, I would love to bring a lot of a lot of the guys we
1: have back. I mean, clearly you they're don't good trade dudes too. Either. Like yeah, they're good think, basketball players and good dudes. I think. But my, I would agree with the three that you mentioned that are the most. They're the most tradable, or the most likely to leave because of other opportunities, or because their opportunity here has ended.
0: My biggest wild card is Yusuf Nurkic. Ooh, do tell. He has one year left after the season, about twelve million dollars. He signed with Clutch, so you know he's going to be looking to get a big payday. He's been injured uh, pretty severely uh, three times during out his tenure. His plays pretty inconsistent. He's going to be looking for a big payday. It's really all going to come down to how he performs the rest of the season. If he comes out like gangbusters, like he was in the bubble, you you clearly keep him and bring him back because he's one of the best centers in the league. But if you get early season Nurkic, and I know he was dealing with a lot of family um, issues and clearly you know, trying to work his way into game playing, but there's a difference between paying Nurk for his production right now at his current contract at $12 million than trying to get $20 plus million. And I don't think any fan would be comfortable dealing out that big of a deal for current production Nurk. Uh, so that's why he's on my wildcard watch list, just because... Mm. He's con- contract is coming up. Um, he he has been inconsistent. Like I, I I know a lot of Blazer fans love him. Um,
1: and Availability has been inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I I enjoy watching Nurkic play as well, but there's been so many times Sage where I've been watching this season and I'm just like I'm I'm thankful Ennis is in there because he's finishing around the basket. You, you just don't know what what Nurk you're going to get from from a night to night basis, and he has so much talent that you want to bring him back and you want to risk it and give him a a good deal because potentially he's still like 26 years old. He's, he's a defensive game changer. One of our only other decision makers outside of Damon CJ. And he still has room to get better. Like he's, he's a big, I mean, you call him the Bosnian beast for a reason, but we need to see it. You mentioned it. Availability comes um, along there as well. That has to be factored in. Uh, blazer fans have been burnt before by injured injured players and it's no fault of the player all right so we are going to take a look at this week's slate of games it is another four gamer for the blazers with three of them back at home we have the orlando magic on tuesday Thursday, a rematch against the Philadelphia 76ers, a back-to-back Friday that Cleveland Cavaliers come to town, and then Portland starts a, a quick three-game trip, the first being Sunday against the Dallas Mavericks in Big D Sage. We both went 2-2 two and two last week, so we are 11-11 on the season, so no change in our prediction standings, but let's talk about the Orlando Magic, a team that is missing quite a bit of talent right now.
1: Markel Fultz is out, MKW is out, um, Michael Carter-Williams, Aaron Gordon's going to be out for some time. It's the Vucevic So Evan Fournier has a pretty decent usage rate and is part of the offense quite a bit, but when you really look at this Orlando Magic team and a team that I've watched quite a bit because of uh, Vucevic this year, it's his show. Um, with Aaron Gordon out, he takes a humongous piece of the pie, especially in the uh, uh, passing. And he's been been rebounding, he's been scoring, he's been passing. Cole Anthony has been looking better as of late. Terrence Ross, you would think with all these players being out, has actually taken a huge dump in terms of his usage rate. It seems like if he misses his first two shots, he's kind of done for the day. But if he hits his first two shots, he's really engaged in the game. Watch out for a a hot Terrence Ross coming back back to uh, play against the Blazers. But really, it's the Vucevic show. It always will be the Vucevic show when he's on the team because he's such a talented and skilled big man in this league. And going against Ennis could be a really bad matchup for us because Vuce has the ability to stretch the floor. He's really good in the post, one of the best pick-and-roll guys in the league. But he also can drain some threes on us, and that brings uh, that brings Ennis out so he isn't by the basket to help us rebound.
0: Who do you got? What's your X-Factor?
1: I think the Blazers win just because the Magic are just so injured and don't have really anybody that scares me outside of Voos and maybe Evan Fournier if he decides this is going to be a game where he actually shoots well. So I think the Blazers win. Vucevic is the X factor that we have to stop and find a way to slow down because he's at a torrid pace of uh, putting up points and rebounds and bunches. And for whatever reason, Fanduel brings him lower and lower in price point, And I love it.
0: I think the Blazers win as well. It reminds me a lot of the Philadelphia game when their offense is going to be centered around a big. Yeah, I know he can go out on the perimeter, but he's still the, the focal point. Of, of their offense. I'd also watch out for Cole Anthony. We've had trouble with another rookie point guard in Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Cole is now getting minutes with, with Markel out and this game scares me. I think we win. This is a no excuses game. We should win. They are just as banged up as we are, but we played pretty poorly at home this year. We're coming off of a long road trip. Those usually end up being de facto road games. They're really hard. Uh, You don't have the fans to kind of bring out the energy in you. This is a game where I'm going to look for a player like Gary Trent Jr. Can can he get us kind of going? He's usually one of our emotional leaders already uh, on this team. Can can he get going from three? Um, I think we win, but this game scares the ever-living
1: daylight. Yeah, you don't know what happens because there's guys on each team that aren't well scouted. Like, do you really know what Kem Birch is good at? Yeah, but that's just because I'm kind of degen at DFS, so that's why I know him. Like, there's some unnamed guys that could have outlier performances against us or on our team. I, I think the Blazers do win, but Vucevic in rebounding, I think, would be one of the keys to the game if we were going to do that. So, who second. do
0: they start at the four? I think it's Kem Burch. One second, let me look at Pop. I th- think he's their backup, powerful center.
1: Oh, okay. but this is a weird this is a weird lineup, but their last game they played was Cole Anthony, Gary Clark, Dwayne Bacon, Voos, and James Ennis, the third.
0: Okay, so I'm selling out and not letting Voos beat me. This could be a big defensive game for Robert Covington
1: hurt himself in the warm up lines. So that's why there was that many bums on the starting five.
0: I think this could be a really big, really big Covington game. We saw how well we defended and beat in the second half. If we take that same strategy, smart with our double teams, decisive with our double teams, uh, I think we we can get it done. Uh, Up next would be a rematch against the Philadelphia 76ers. Assuming that all parties are healthy for Philadelphia, that means Ben Simmons would be back. Uh, Sage... Is there a world in which Portland goes 2 0 against the Eastern Conference leading Philadelphia 76ers?
1: I feel like they're going to remember this game and kind of take it personal that we got the initial first win. I mean, Ben Simmons being a late scratch in terms of the slate was huge. And like now there's foot shifting from a really weird rotation to having Ben be the starter who has had a lower usage rate than you would have expected with this team. Cause Jojo has just been that usage monster, but having hit, having Ben Simmons at point of attack is going to be annoying for Dame to deal with. I think that the Sixers exact some revenge on us, kind of like what we did with Chicago. It, it, they owe us one. So I don't know if we, I don't think we win, but we both have been wrong about this, this game before, but you know, you got, when you look at a healthy Philadelphia 76ers team, they create a lot of advantages against us. So I I think this, the Sixers do in fact beat us this week.
0: I mean, I think it's going to all come down to three point shooting. We were able to make those double teams because Philadelphia, what was cold from beyond the arc. Uh, They were just seven of 27. And quite frankly, they hit two or three of those in garbage time. So Mm -hmm that percentage of 20, 26% really isn't as toasty as, as it really yeah, was.
1: A lot of regression in terms of shooting took place in that game. Like they, they all hit basement games. If you're looking at like any standard deviation of, uh, uh, of statistics, like they were all at the bottom. Holy shit. I'm a nerd. Ugh, I'm just in rolling Philadelphia- into it. I'm 30. Philadelphia is not a good road team. Just
0: 6-5 and away from the city of brotherly love. Did you look at Uh, their
1: home road splits last year?
0: Yeah, they were one of the most dominant teams at home last year.
1: (laughs) And And they were just
0: god-awful on the road. Yeah. I think Portland wins this game if Philadelphia tries to uh, implore and utilize the Joel Embiid offense. I think that really worked to our advantage. It worked for a half for the Sixers, don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong, but when it came to the second... It got bad. When it came to the second half, he did get a little uh, chilly and nobody else really had any sort of rhythm. So it allowed Portland to just take off. I think the X factor personnel wise is can we quiet Tobias Harris? Uh, He's really their their second secondary option on on offense. And he was held in check five of 14 from the field, uh, just 12 points and three turnovers. Uh, o of two from downtown. We really didn't allow him to get, get any looks. Um, I, I do think Philadelphia uh, gets some revenge. Uh, this would be a really fun matchup if we were healthy as well, but.
1: That's not uh, what the I think we, we sh- wanted.
0: I think we should just be uh, happy with the split with, yeah. with the 76ers. And I do think they're going to get a little bit hotter, but we haven't, we we've won, I think six of the last seven uh, against Philadelphia And I think it would have been seven for seven had Korkmaz not hit that game winner uh, on decade night. Yep. Uh, Last November. Yeah. Two Novembers ago, November of 2019. Uh, But moving on is a back to back against the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, a team again that Portland should win, but they they can't take lightly. And they also have a little bit of our our kryptonite and they've got rebounder Sage and we've really only got one and they got a whole slew of them
1: we've got to first talk about the sex land backcourt of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, those two players have been healthy and that's a big, that's a big factor in this, but when healthy, they have been dominant and looking really good as a backcourt pairing, not as good as us when healthy, but the sex land backcourt is very much real and it isn't just a DFS nickname. I saw YouTube series about the sex land backcourt. So don't give me this shit, but, uh, Again, they have probably one of the best rebounders of our generation in Andre Drummond and then no Larry Nance though. He was playing very good defense for them and he is missing uh 4 to 6 weeks. Uh means more with Andre Drummond. If you look at rotations, more uh, uh when Na- uh Larry Nance is in, it kind of nerfs uh the big production. And now with Larry Nance out, Andre and uh Jared Allen actually play together more and it's not much, but like when it's like 24 24 in terms of splitting the center. But if they can play together, it means that there's more bigs on the floor to get those rebounds. If the sex lamb backcourt isn't working out as well as they they can, I mean, they got Isaac Okoro, they got Torian Prince, Seti Osman. They have some wings that in, can get hot. Uh, Isaac is a very good point of attack defending. Wing, but if he's deciding he's gonna be more of a playmaker this day, I'm uh, I, I let him shoot. He's not a, he's not a competent three point shooter yet in his career, but uh, the rebounding is gonna be a factor. It, it, Ennis tries extraordinarily hard, but there's a lot of beef on this Cleveland front court with Dre and Jarrett and <laughs> JaVale McGee as a backup. Like they have a lot of. They have a lot of beef that can get rebounds and compete. And when you give a team like this more chances to score, it it can get pretty ugly kind of fast because of the rebounding advantage that this team can have. They can dictate a lot of what happens in the game. Well,
0: we saw what happened against the Spurs when Jakob Purtle basically won that game in the fourth quarter and extended the lead. Lamarcus went to the bench and he just killed us on the glass, and that was that. We couldn't get stops, and whenever we did force a miss, he was there to gobble it up and, and put it back in there. So if we can't keep Drummond off the boards, it's lights out. We might as well you know close the curtains and move on to the next.
1: Yeah, I I kind of think that the Cleveland Cavaliers will beat us because of the rebounding. It's 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 just such a glaring advantage for. The Cleveland Cavaliers against us with Dre and JaVale and Jared Allen just being big, being great rebounders. I mean, Andre Drummond might be the best rebounder of this generation of basketball, and he got traded for literally nothing. This team has borders. And like, what if Kevin Love actually played? They have talent on this team, like every NBA team does, but Garland and Sexton can absolutely have ceiling games against us because we aren't the best defensive team. I I think the Cavaliers win. Unfortunately,
0: I think Portland wins. Uh, Cleveland's going to be in the middle of a five game road trip. Portland is smack dab in the middle. They will be coming off of a game uh, in the mile high city playing at altitude against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I I do think rebounding is going to be the statistical X factor. I think we're going to have to keep that uh, at least somewhat, you know, plus or minus uh, three to five boards. We have to hold our own and it's going to be gang rebounding. Who else can help Ennis Cantor rebound the basketball Boxing on defense would
1: be helpful too.
0: on defense. I think this would be a really fun game to just let DJ and Gary start and take each one of the backcourt members. Let Dame Rome. Uh, he can play off of Isaac Okoro. I think you welcome him shooting Absolutely. Uh, you welcome outside jump him. shots and Really, even if it's not helping um, double or blitz the backcourt, Dame can just basically leave him to go crash the glass, like throw mm. an extra body um, on on Drummond. So I think it's going to be really important that Covington also gets in there and, and rebounds the basketball. Uh, but yeah, I, I would unleash Gary and, and DJ on, on those two members of the backcourt. And I, I just think this is a, a big Dame game. He, he's my X factor. They've got nobody that, that can stick with Lillard. And I think we're going to need him. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be the second night of a back-to-back. Um, but he thrives on back-to-back games. He he's said in the past that he prefers them rather than the day off and playing. He just likes to keep that rhythm going. Um, hopefully,
1: he can stay healthy. But What's the nickname that, that, of their backcourt? Who's? Cleveland's. That's excellent. Yes. I just wanted to hear you say it. Yeah,
0: uh, thank they're, you. They're per- all right. They're, they're no uh, Dame Dame and Gary Trent Junior. But the fell, nickname's so. pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then we round out the week Sunday a late night game against the struggling uh, Dallas Mavericks. But the Mavericks can still put points up on the board with with Doncic and Porzingis. They have not fared too well after moving Seth Curry in the off season for uh, Josh Richardson. Uh, stage they are second to last they are 10 and 14 in the, the western conference uh, a far cry from where many predicted they would be after that playoff performance against the clippers we all expected Doncic, who was having a wonderful year just to kind of take that next step and just become and even become a transcendent player it hasn't happened that the team is struggling porzingis is one of the worst defenders um, at the five spot in the league uh, this was a shootout in the bubble Last year I distinctly remember going by Porzingis time after time. We talked about Ampherenny getting that little slip layup, uh learning from Dame. Well, Dame did that to Christaps multiple times in a row. I think this is the most challenging matchup because it is on the road and because NS Kander is gonna have to play defense
1: against Christaps Porzingis. That's suck. Hopefully Enes they will... go big. Because they they have they've shown the propensity in certain matchups to go maxi at the five and put Porzingis at the four and just out big you um best offense ever ever forever ever, ever, ever. now they are the 14th ranked offense that's a humongous regression um they have dealt with a lot of injuries a lot of injuries covid regular injuries uh like these are the first few games where they're actually healthy like because kristaps took a while to get into the game uh the COVID bug hit him. I think Josh Richardson's played some really good ball, but he, it's been inconsistent. Tim Hardaway's played some good ball, but has been really inconsistent. Doncic is really great, but you know he's 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 complained about these players not trying their hardest all the time or showing the 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 ceiling games more often. So it's going to be a shootout. I don't think either team is really going to put so much effort defensively. But offensively, both teams are very, very volatile and can score in bunches. I think you bet the over in this game, depending if we're as healthy as we can be. I think the Blazers win, but it's going to be a points game where teams are moving fast and shooting and have a fast pace of play. But uh, Steph Curry
0: did just drop 57 on this defense. Yeah, they're a bad
1: defensive team right now.
0: Dame certainly should be licking his chops. Uh, I have Portland losing this one for two reasons. One, I, I don't think we're going to get lucky and have them go big. They're going to play Crestops at the five, and Ennis is just—it's it, not going to be. Pretty, it's a bad one for him, and it's—it's it's probably the worst matchup in, in the league for him, just with his ability to 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 spread the floor. Um, also, they have two bench players who absolutely murder the Trailblazers: Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't know what what's in the water whenever they see the, the Blazers on the schedule. But Bad
1: defensive rotations.
0: Their I'll eyes light up.
1: It's in the water. Bad defensive uh, it, it, rotations. It, it,
0: it don't even matter, Sage. They could be having three hands <laughs> in their face. These players hit every shot against Portland. Um, so if Dallas wins, look for those two to have above average games. Um, it, it's, it definitely feels like it could be like the Wizards game where it's a shootout and you're just going to have to outscore your opponent to win, which Portland certainly can. Like if Dame puts us on the, on his back. Um, we could do it. But if we're looking for an X factor for Portland, I'm going to dip my, my toe back in the, the Gary Trent jr. Well, uh, once again, do you think he goes on ball? I, I just think he's going to get a lot of open looks. And I think he, he had seven threes against the, the 70 or the the Washington wizards. I think he might break his, his record um, against the Mavericks. I think he's going to get a lot he of guards looks. Luka?
1: Either him or DJ. Hmm.
0: It's yeah, I to mean be, like it's gonna, gonna have to be by
1: committee. I'm not scared of uh DFS playing taking advantage of Dame on the post or anything. That's like the most inefficient offense they could possibly do if uh DFS thinks I'm taking Dame Lillard. Dorian Finney Smith is DFS, not the thing that I like a lot. But uh yeah, I, I think the Blazers do win. I think we have in more on-ball defenders than they do. And I, I... I,
0: All right. I think that about wraps it up. Sage, you want to bring this one home?
1: Yeah. Uh, we are available on, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3, Pacific Eastern, 4 to 5. And if you like what you're hearing... Five stars on iTunes. Leave us a nice comment. Share it with your friends. We're out there. We're very available. We're very available on Twitter. He is at DHAZ22, and I'm at The Sage. And if you see a happy panda with a blazer's hat on, that is, in fact, me. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody.
0: Let's go.